In the ninth year of the Wu Day period of the Tang Dynasty, the founding emperor, Gao Tzu, also known as Li Yuan, with the help of his formidable second son, Li Shimin, quelled 18 rival kings and 72 groups of rebels, unified and secured the nation. Gao Tzu had four sons. Baby son, Li Yuanba, died young. The rest were Jian Cheng, king of Ying, Shimin, king of Qin, and Yuan Ji, king of Qi. The eldest, Jian Cheng, weak and rather incompetent. Yuan Ji being of something of conceited and self-righteous dandy had long coveted the throne. Li Shimin, however, was popular and successful, and as such, irked Yuan Ji. Day in and day out Yuan Ji brooded over the matter, finally arriving at a scheme, which was first to employ Jian Cheng to bump off Shimin, and then, in turn, have Jian Cheng killed, making himself the sole heir to the throne. Jian Cheng and Yuan Ji were romantically involved with Gao Tzu's favorite concubines, Zhang Yanchui and Yun Sei Sei. And their affairs were discovered by Shimin. On this account, brothers Jiang Cheng and Yuan Ji held grudges against Shimin, though Shimin did not bring the affairs to their father's attention. Li Shimin, a true prince, peerless in merit, almost single-handedly outsmarted and muscled the Li family's enemies to establish the Tang dynasty. His feat winning the praise of Gao Tzu evoked jealousy and resentment on the part of Jian Cheng and Yuan Ji. It happened that, one day Princess Ping Yang died of illness. Her funeral brought together all civil and military officials as well as family members. With ill intent, Jian Cheng and Yuan Ji invited Shimin to a feast at which they had prepared a poisonous drink for the brother. Shimin, unsuspecting and broad-minded as he was, took the invitation to be an attempt by his brothers to atone for their misconduct. As always, the real king never dies prematurely. So fate has it, that as Shimon raised his cup at the banquet, and took a sip, a swallow flew overhead and released droppings that landed in the cup and on his clothing. Shimon left to change his attire when sharp stomach pain suddenly gripped him. Back at his residence, he laid all but dead after a night of loose bowels and vomiting liters of blood. He knew something must have been amiss with his drink. Upon hearing what happened, Emperor Gaotsu feared that Shimon and his brothers couldn't get along. Gaotsu made a plan to send Shimon to Luoyang. After their scheme failed and exposed, Jian Cheng and Yuan Ji were desperate, knowing full well that their courageous and open-minded brother Shimon would prove invincible with his team of great civil officials and generals. In another venomous scheme, the brothers plotted to redeploy Shimon's leading generals to fight the Turks. At this, Shimon, angered by his brother's tricks, revealed to Gaotsu the details of Jian Cheng's and Yuan Ji's affairs with the concubines. Enraged, Gaotsu ordered Jian Cheng and Yuan Ji to appear before the imperial court the next day to address Shimon's allegations. Jian Cheng and Yuan Ji, flanked by about 500 troops, instead waited at Xuan Wu men ready to kill Shimon upon his arrival. Much to their surprise, however, Shimon came fully armed. Jian Cheng and Yuan Ji shot three arrows in panic, but Shimon managed to dodge them all. General Chen Chong shot one arrow in return and killed Jian Cheng. Then, Yuan Ji was killed by an arrow by General Yu Qi Jing Dei. The story has been known as the Xuan Wu Men incident. After Yuan Ji was killed, his wicked soul descended to hell to pay for his sins. Yama, the king of hell, was fully aware of Yuan Ji's God-forbidden conduct, his affair with his father's concubine, the murder of Shimon's fiancée, poisoning of Shimon, and the conspiracy to have Shimon assassinated. Thus, he condemned Yuan Ji to the lowest rung of hell sending him through the gate of no return. Upon ascending the throne, Li Shimin was dubbed Emperor Taizong, 
marking the beginning of the Zhenguan period. Taizong's magnanimity almost divine made him immensely popular with the people. His succession to the throne accorded both with the will of heaven and the wishes of the people, making for a true blessing to all. In the 22nd year of the Zhenguan period, a Buddhist monk, named Xuanzang, returned from a pilgrimage to India, in search of holy scripture. Taizong led an entourage of hundreds of civil and military officials to welcome the monk home at Jutsi Bridge. To honor the occasion, Taizong later wrote a preface to the translation of Holy Scripture by Songzang of Tang Dynasty. Taizong, a wise and loving emperor, died in the 23rd year of the Zhenguan period. Throughout his reign, Taizong looked out for the welfare of Buddhism and carried forward Taoism and Confucianism. Having an extraordinary background, the likes of which no ordinary man could know, Taizong, in his later incarnations, naturally upright, be he an emperor, a king, a general, a minister, a scholar, or a master of martial arts. A thousand years later, the noble king of Turning Wheel would come to the world, in the form of Buddhamitraya, to spread Dafa, and save the sentient beings. However, the old forces of the cosmos, in the name of assisting with the affair, and testing Dafa's disciples, would sabotage the rectifications of the laws of the cosmos, and the salvation of sentient beings. The old forces, following the law of mutual engendering and restraining, wanted to create, for their purposes, a clown with human form, that lacks any semblance of proper thoughts or normal reasoning, an entity possessed of traits such as stupidity, wickedness, depravity, treachery, ugliness, pretentiousness, envy, and cowardice. The grotesque figure chosen for such a role would be destroyed afterward, having perpetrated crimes so heinous as to be forever unpardonable. The only place they could find such a figure is in the hell lowest rung. After extensive searching, the old forces found Li Yuanji's wicked soul in hell, who had been paying for his debts, and suffering for a thousand years, and had lost his original life form and his coherent thinking, except for a sinister chi of envy and hatred. No other life would be justified for such a fate except this one. Harboring so deeply a personal resentment towards the great savior, this one would be the best choice. Blissfully, the old forces thus channeled the sinister chi, the remnant of Li Yuanji, into a dark and murky grave, here in this world. In that grave, a toad had been long present. It happened that as it opened its mouth was about to croak, the sinister chi of thousand years, was sucked in and entered. Incidentally, the toad's original soul was driven from the body to reincarnate elsewhere. The sinister chi thus became the wicked soul of that toad. A few years later, the toad died. And the chi of the wicked soul, that had assumed a toad's form, reincarnated as a human being. His name is, Jiang Zeman. In the early spring of 2005, Udumbara flowers were found blooming at two temples in the Republic of Korea. Later, in Taiwan and many locations in mainland China, Udumbara flowers were blooming. The flowers are shaped like bells and give out a pleasant fragrance. This is no ordinary flower. And it blossoms only once every 3,000 years. According to the Buddhist canon, the blooming of Udumbara signifies that the noble king of Turning Wheel has come to the human world to impart heaven's law. 
Word of the blooming reached Chimen County of Anhui Province, where there lived a farmer, named Wen Chuan Deng. Upon hearing the news of the Udumbara flowers, Chuan Deng who lived alone in a modest home wondered to himself, it has been said the Udumbara would bloom with the birth of Budhamitreya. Why not leaving home and travel about? I might be fortunate enough to hear Budhamitreya's preaching, and that would be a divine blessing. Looking through the belongs in his house, he found no items of value save for a sword passed from his forefathers. The sword could be used as a gift to his newfound master. Chuan Deng thus headed off sword in hand, a little money on him, towards the nearby Huangshan Mountains in hope of finding an enlightened master. A tourist guide was leading her group to visit a peculiar cave near the mountains. There was plenty of mystery about the cave. Some insisted that it's a stone pit, but no record of the stone pit could be found in the county's archives. Furthermore, there was no project nearby and history would need that much stone. Chuan Deng followed the tourists, and entered the cave. Inside the cave, the guide told the tourists, the cave was discovered in 1999. At first, people found a lot of crushed rock mixed with bones of cattle in the cave, which confounded the locals. And there were murals inside the cave that seemingly made no sense to observers. The locals, themselves baffled, dubbed the cave Thousand Year Mystery Cave. The cave was opened to the public in May 2001, and Jiang Zeman made a special trip here in the same year. It was cold inside the cave, though it's summertime. As Chuan Deng peered at the murals, he felt the old sword hanging from his waist began to vibrate. It was giving out a humming sound. Wondering what was happening, he drew the sword out and saw, miraculously that something like words or symbols, were flowing on it, like water moving from the handle to the tip. The sound the sword made grew louder and louder as if the sword was about to take flight. He was worried others might see the strange spectacle, he hurriedly sheathed the sword, and stepped out of the cave. An old monk was sitting there close to the cave. The monk took a close look at the sword and realized this was an ancient sword named Gongbu, a sword that possesses its own intelligence. When Chuan Deng told the monk the sword was handed down from his family's ancestor, 2,500 years ago, the monk figured that Chuan Deng must be the descendant of General Wen Zhang, in the spring-autumn period 2,500 years ago. Chuan Deng wished to dedicate the sword to the monk, and follow him as his apprentice. But the old man said, I can see, you are a man who is not caught up in money and fame. There is only one person in this world, who can offer you salvation. Chuan Deng puzzled. The monk continued, when people discovered the blossoming of the Udambara flowers. They figured that noble king of turning wheel has not been born. But the fact is that he has already been imparting his teachings for 13 years here, in this world. Chuan Deng counted on his fingers and asked in astonishment, Do you refer to Falun Fa? You are quick. The man said with a smile. The monk pointed out, the mystery cave resembles a large toad. Its flat entrance, like a plate placed face down, is the toad's mouth. And inside is toad's belly. The hunched top of the cave with its green circles is the toad's back. Just now, you shivered from cold inside the cave for the reason that it's full of damp cold air, and populated by rotten ghosts, who are hidden to the naked eye. Your sword vibrated because it was anxious to slay the wicked entities. Jiang Zeman's soul is the toad demon. It's the old forces who created him, to violently abuse to find the world. The noble king of the turning wheel, gracious and merciful, gave Jiang a window of opportunity to repent. Yet, Jiang chose to persecute Falun Gong in 1999. He had squandered his chance through his own actions. Jiang's soul was thus condemned to incessant hell. In his effort to suppress Falun Gong, Jiang Zeman lost too much of his vital energy. In May of 2001, 
Defy disciples eliminated the toad demon. Therefore, Jang came here to this toad cave, on the verge of death, hoping to replenish black energy. What was active in the world today, was merely Jiang's human shell, propped up by the rotten ghosts. Jang is a tyrant. The locals are facing a hard time to have ends meet, while he spent some 200 million yuan of the country's money on his trip, to build the road for him, and airship fresh fruits for him, and mobilized countless armed police, posted along the trail leading up to the cave. Even the chair, in which Jang was carried up the trail, was made from special bamboos and ropes, that were imported, from other parts of the world. Chuan Deng met with this Buddhist monk outside the mystery cave, and learned that the noble king of Turning Wheel had been teaching the Buddha law for thirteen years. The old monk continued, the history of mankind, is like an epic drama. Jang, the clown, has to answer the curtain call yet. He will be needed, on stage, for one last scene. And the monk said, the rotten ghosts are divided into those who are adept at speech, and those who are adept at song, and those who can play musical instruments. So when Jiang needed to meet with foreign dignitaries or make his case against Falun Gong, his physical body would, acting under the control of the rotten ghosts, become fluent at spewing slanders, and launch into songs and dances. Chuan Deng wanted to know more, a moment ago you mentioned incessant hell. What's that? Incessant hell is expansive, huge, answered the monk. The word incessant refers to never-ending punishment in hell. There are five incessants. First, incessant time which means non-stop around-clock suffering. Secondly, incessant space, which means every inch of the body is subjected to torture, leaving no spot untouched. Thirdly, incessant torture apparatuses, which means different instruments employed without end. Fourthly, incessant status, which means all are tortured equally, irrespective of gender, or social status in one's previous lives. And fifthly, incessant state, which means the condemned are ceaselessly in a state of dying from suffering only to keep regaining consciousness and continue on suffering. There is no end to the suffering that the condemned go through in the process of destruction, layer by layer. Nothing in this entire cosmos is more horrific than this. Convinced by what the monk told him, Chuan Deng went down the mountain the next day, and soon found the book Chuan Fallen. He thus embarked on the path of self-cultivation. One day in the future, the Global Coalition to Bring Jiang to Justice, in collaboration with chief justices of various countries, is holding a public trial of Jiang, on Tiananmen Square. At the time, the truth about Falun Gong has become known around the world. The jury reads an indictment against Jiang, 1,000 pages long, and sentences him to death on ground of treason, embezzlement, torture, crimes against humanity, and genocides among other charges. Immediately after the pronouncement, a rope descends from the sky binds Jiang tightly from head to toe, Jiang hangs in the air upside down. Winds and thunders erupt. Lightning strike Jiang hitting every inch of his body. Smokes abound, Jiang's clothing, hair, flesh, organs, and bones burst into flame in no time. Jiang vanishes in the fire. Then, Chuan Deng is startled by the boisterous sounds of fireworks, gongs, and drums. A festival mood has engulfed the city, 
Chuan Deng now fully understands what the monk meant by the clown has to answer the curtain call. By this time, Wen Chuan Deng has done spiritual cultivation for some time, and has come to witness Jiang's end on Tiananmen Square. Grateful to have been born into the world, in the time when the noble king of Law Wheel is imparting heaven's teachings, and to have managed to gain the way and cultivated himself, Chuan Deng composed the following poem. Great was my fortune. To gain the law and follow the Lord Buddha. Merrily I bore the pain. Diligent returning to my true self. I have fulfilled my grand vow. Assisting the master as he turns the wheel. Eliminating the demonic, mending the cosmos. Still in thought, Chuan Deng found before himself a strand of yellow ribbon, trickling down from the sky. Tucking it in his hand, Chuan Deng saw on it a six-line poem that reads, The Clown. The three-legged toad made a fool of himself in this world. All ten evils did he demonstrate, no scheme left untried. Every disgraceful thing did the sinister clown do. Not a virtue or talent to his name, he pretended to be a hero. Five thousand years of Chinese civilization, everything ready, save for one last scene, with the clown.